Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Calvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now okay everybody i have something really cool to tell you about if you haven't heard yet about anchor it's the easiest way to make a podcast let me explain here it's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will uh, distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one single place. Now, the way that you can do this is you got to download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm and then you can get started it's really fun we just switched over recently here at all too real too and i'm enjoying it so far so be sure to check it out and uh let us know what you think to the All Too Real 2 podcast. I am your host with the most, Michael E. Cullen II. I don't know what the most of what, but with me as always is... Matt Haas. Are you okay, Matt? Yeah, I'm fine. What's wrong, man? Uh, the movie, you, can tell, you can tell us. It's movie, ju- just between you, me, and our listeners. The movie we just watched was worse than Tooth Fairy 2, which I didn't think was possible. Yeah. Yeah. So, folks, today we're covering the uh, 2003 classic French Stewart comedy, Inspector Gadget 2, from the director of Tooth Fairy 2, <laughs> Alex Sam. <laughs> yes, Inspector Gadget 2. Because we didn't say enough with the first one. That they decided, hey, let's see, um, you know, if we can find a better actor to play the 
main character than Matthew Broderick. So no, we'll find someone that can be made up to look sort of like Matthew Broderick, even though well, he doesn't naturally look I, like I him. I think they were going more for the uh, cartoon version of okay. Gadget in this version, because I will give them that, that French Stewart is closer to the cartoon Don Adams incarnation of uh, the great Inspector Gadget. Yep. So when I was a kid, I used to love Inspector Gadget. It was my favorite show to come home and watch as a kid. Yep. Yep. Good times. Me too. Was mm-hmm. someone I, I would. I'd. Um... Yeah, I think this is part of the Me Too movement. Movement. I do feel violated somehow. Um. Yes. Wow. I'm sorry. We went. You went there. I know I did, and that was very insensitive. I'm sorry. But anyways, um, it's true do, though. I would do the same thing. I would go home, and my parents wouldn't be home from work until about maybe a half hour, forty five minutes after I got home from school. So. I would go to my grandma's for that in the meantime until they got home. And one of the main shows I would watch was Inspector Gadget. And yeah, I it was like SpaghettiOs or some kind of nice little snack after school. Mm-hmm. Great memories of a, you know, childhood and, you know, of, of dreams and whimsical theories of reality and how, you know, how is it possible that this man can stretch out his arms a hundred feet and, you know, just makes you real feel, feel really good about, life and yourself and your family and then this comes around and then yeah penny just kind of makes you feel bad about things i was actually legitimately depressed by watching this like i i was bored inspector gadget <laughs> like missed Mar- it by that much <laughs> <laughs> sorry that was my don adams impersonation <laughs> might not be the greatest but it was decent i it's think it's fine yes but it kind of reminds me of Mark Marin when he talks about the Dave Matthews band, and there's like a, a, a boredom, but it's like with an edge to it. It's like it's, yeah, it's, that's how I that's felt. how this felt. That's how I felt. It was like it was boredom, but it was like a, this kind of anger to it. I'm like, mm, like, so yeah, that, I, that's why I'm subdued because yeah. I, did, I did not enjoy this movie at all. Our great director Alex Sam, who is now becoming one of my favorite directors, <laughs> he's the most brilliant direct-to-video sequel director out there. Um, he. Uh, was one of the co-writers along with uh, Ron Anderson and William Robertson. Not sure what they've done because they don't even have links on Wikipedia. Um, they might on uh, IMDb though. Let's see. Um, <laughs> let's let's check it out. Yeah, let's yeah, see what they got um, going on here. Let's see if we can find any information about the writers of this film to see what else they've written. Okay, if anything, um, Ron Anderson. He wrote Inspector Gadget 2. Yep. Chicken Little. Oh, okay. And he's written for the TV series The Penguins of Madagascar. Hmm. Okay, well, that's. And he was an actor in the movie Bangkok Dangerous. That's interesting. Yeah. Kind of a. A diverse, uh, <laughs> diverse uh, IMDb credits there. Um, uh, the other writer, uh, William Robertson, also wrote Woody Woodpecker, directed by Alex Sam. Um, Jingle All the Way 2, directed by Alex Sam. <laughs> Little Rascals Save the Day, directed by Alex Sam. 
And, uh... He also wrote the movie starring Will Friedle from Boy Meets World, the made-for-TV movie My Date with the President's Daughter, which I actually enjoyed, hmm. I remember, back in the day, which was also directed by, guess who? <laughs> Alex... Whatever. Alex Sam. Wow. Yes. Interesting. I guess they like to work together. And coincidentally, co-starred uh, Dabney Coleman, who played Chief Quimby in the original live-action um, hmm. Inspector Gadget, but not in this one. That's weird. Mm-hmm. He played it with a mustache. Yeah. Now, that was my number one complaint about this whole movie. <laughs> Chief Quimby needs to have a mustache. I'm sorry, but... I just always picture Chief Quimby with his nice little bushy mustache. Yeah. And they even have, you know, Inspector Gadget have a fake mustache at one point. You think that yeah. they could do something like that, but... In the original animated series, by the way, um, Inspector Gadget did have a mustache in the pilot. Oh, okay. And they made them take it away because he looked too much like Inspector Clouseau. Oh, okay. <laughs> it was already pretty Clouseau-like oh, in okay. his abilities. <laughs> But yeah, it was very much, in, I mean, the show was very much inspired by Get Smart as well, which is why Don Adams, they, they had somebody trying to do a Don Adams impersonation originally, but then they just decided, hey, let's hire Don Adams, who played right. Max Smart, and have <laughs> him do the voice, because who does Don Adams better than Don Adams? Right. I mean, obviously, now they have uh, Maurice LaMarche and other people doing the voice, because Don has passed away, but yes. But once again, missed it by that much. Okay. Anyways, um... <laughs> So, uh, we're going to uh, talk about this um, wonderful film. So, it had all the elements of a film. You know, there were cameras, a script of some sort, actors, special effects. I'm uh, assuming a budget. Audio. Yeah. Well, yeah, they, they probably have boom operators and somebody recording the audio. Um. Mm-hmm. Probably had people on set to serve lunch and snacks, maybe. Yes, craft services. So, yes, you know, mm-hmm. probably. Sponsors had Kellogg's, McDonald's. McDonald's. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. You know. Yes, Dunkin' Donuts. That's right. So there was, mm-hmm. you know, there was actually some money behind this. I mean, I'm assuming they're sponsors because they were featured prominently on screen in different scenes. Right. But uh, who knows? Um, <laughs> this whole film was shot in Australia. Not that that matters. I have nothing against Australia, but they tried to make it seem like it was America. And it felt like Australia the whole time I was watching it. Well, most of the actors are Australian. Yes. And one Got. of them was New Zealand. Yeah. So most of the uh, actors come from a land down under. And um, they... Uh, <laughs> I don't know. So um, the only actor to return from the original movie was uh, the voice of the Gadget Mobile. Mm. Um, Mr... Uh, D.L. Hughley, yeah, the prolific comic and king of comedy and uh, star of the Hughleys, among other things. Mm-hmm. Guy I admire greatly. Yeah. Not sure if I do anymore, but yes, I, I <laughs> did. I'm joking. <laughs> oh, wow. boy. Sorry, D.L., if you're out there. Sorry, I still, I, I, I still, I still think you're awesome. Okay, anyways, <laughs> very funny guy. Yeah. Um, very observant commentator on yeah he did that one show where he was yeah. like interviewing like the leader of like the neo-nazis and crap like that 
It was it was like some really serious. No, um, did he do something? Okay, I yeah, know yeah. I know he had like a show on CNN for a while and stuff. Other it things, was really yeah. interesting, like really yeah. hard hitting kind of stuff too. Like that's pretty cool. So, uh, what's the plot of this movie, Matt? Do you do you remember? I it was like I was trying like my hardest to pay attention, but it was just so boring. What I can remember is that it starts off with Inspector Gadget, who has no first name, by the way. Yeah, um, in in the first movie, they 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 say his name is John Brown. Oh, okay. But I yeah, but they because don't mention it anywhere in this movie. His niece always calls him Uncle Gadget, so I'm yes. like, mm, okay, so his last name is Gadget. All right, whatever. So it starts off with him uh, basically looking for crime because there's no more no more crime anymore because of what he had done. He put all of the bad guys away, so he's like overzealous. Like he had arrested an old lady for drag racing and she didn't have her license on her so he took her down to the station but it turned out to be the dude with the must the guy who was supposed to have the mustache his mom and apparently this woman has superhuman strength because chief she, quimby chief quimby because she looks like she might be at least like 87 years old and she was able to lift a 200 pound man clearly above her head and then throw him down into the prison cell so this that, was after that, that spanking happens. him a lot too, which was kind of weird. And then like, and then like, Chief Quimby's like, like smiles and he's like tough love. I'm like, okay, it's creepy. But like, uh, so there's like, it has elements of all the creepy stuff that we see in these movies. And it, by the way, I, I would add unintentional creepiness because it's kind of just thrown in there without any regard for context or even attempting to even make a creepy point it's just in there like with the whole thing with george the jungle 2 where a gorilla raped a human woman but there was really no context in a disney, for it. Mo- disney it, movie disney movie which they care so much about good morals and and you know about you know stuff like that they don't they don't believe in you know coercive kind of, you know things you know because of tweets you know are, are worse than a gorilla taking advantage of it. okay but anyway so um, uh yeah anyway so at least there was no bestiality in this movie no so it's like they just they throw in weird stuff that's creepy but there's no reason to have it in there it doesn't 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 further along the plot in any way it doesn't it's not even a funny joke there's no joke to it it's just there and it's like it's like what mike said about there's, there's, there's elements to a movie and it's just thrown all in there like in a stew and you're just supposed to make do with it basically you know, is, is it a movie or is it just a bunch of scenes thrown together and then you have to figure out what the plot is? All right. Anyway, I'm backtrack. So yes. what happened was he he's arresting people for no reason. And then Claw finally. Yeah, Dr. Claw. Dr. Claw finally gets out of prison or whatever. I don't know what happens. And then um, and he's going to, you know, set up shop again to do his crimes. And uh, I pretty much blanked after all that stuff. I know that his knees was cutting school at one point or something um oh also his his thing keeps glitching and there's like a new model that's like an android basically who's supposed to be like the new inspector gadget like she doesn't have any problems like that he does she's not really even fully human um and his his body whatever keeps malfunctioning like every time he tries to make a command he says do this or whatever and it doesn't work i don't know and uh, yeah that kind of happened in the cartoon originally too. Okay. I mean, he's kind of always had glitches he'd be like go go banana and an apple will come out oh, okay not that 
I don't know if a banana is a thing, but I'm just making that up. <laughs> Whatever. Right. Do you remember? I don't remember the plot anymore. Some, something. Okay. Here. I, I don't okay. Remember. We just watched it, and I don't even remember. Yeah. Um. Hi, folks. This is Mike Lee Holland the second from the podcast that you're listening to right now, along with manager Matthew Haas. You got promoted? Yes. Damn it. Okay. Anyways, um, folks, uh, do you like the show Superstore? I don't know. I asked the folks and nobody's answering well, me. Because they're not here. Oh, but we love damn it. it. Yeah, we love it, though. Okay, folks, if you like it as much as we do, you're really going to like the Super Story podcast, which is a podcast where Matthew and I go uh, episode by episode and give our little opinions and thoughts on it. Uh, sometimes we have guests. Sometimes we don't. Um, just depends on how we're feeling. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so if you like this podcast and like our little crazy banter then you should definitely check this out or i might get sad and when i get sad it gets pretty sad yeah, so i can't deal with him when he's sad yeah uh, no one can really so um yeah so, so check out uh super story podcast right here where you get this podcast super story podcast okay everybody we are back right now we're going to go to a little uh, new segment we have here called the all to interview uh the other day i uh, had a nice little conversation with sam Crossman. he is been in the business for years um, in the entertainment business. He started out with the uh, movie Mame, where he worked with Lucille Ball, and uh, he's currently the voice of Little Quackers on the Tom and <laughs> Jerry uh, cartoon, and he's also got an Amazon movie that's uh, produced by Jerry Seinfeld called uh, Letters from a Nut. And so, uh, you know, you got to make sure you check that out. You might know him from his appearances on Bob Newhart and many other uh, great things. Uh, he was also did voices for Mad TV. He did. He was on episodes of Airwolf, Lou Grant, many, many things over the years. He's uh, been on Robot Chicken with <laughs> Seth Green, different things. So uh, here's a little bit of my interview. Um, yeah, Matt wasn't there that day, but that's okay. It's, I, you know, I feel bad, but, you know, it's okay. I, I would have liked it, but, you know, yeah. it, it's and my fault. It's my fault. It's all right. So uh, here's uh, Sam Kosman. Enjoy. Okay, uh, we'd like to welcome uh, Sam here to the uh, All Too interview section of our All Too Real 2 podcast. First off, uh just tell us a little bit about how you got started in entertainment. Well, believe it or not, I started as a professional dancer. I danced in a, a show called Disney on Parade. My best partner was a guy named uh, Patrick Swayze. He was uh, in my first dance company. And it was a Disney show, so I wound up as the voice of Donald Duck for the show for two years. I did it live the first year. And I was the lead alligator in Fantasia. <laughs> That's really cool. And it was uh, Anna White who choreographed it she had just won the academy award for oliver two years earlier and then i went on to dance for her in the movie maine with lucille ball and uh, we had a great time you know it was great to work for her i was really thrilled had a wonderful uh wonderful dance experience there and um from dancing and donald duck i went on to do uh television and movies as an actor and i but i still kept up my dancing That's cool. so it was fun yeah yeah wish i could dance i have two left feet i uh have been in a few musicals and really couldn't dance that well in them, but uh, I tried. <laughs> um, what, what was it like? Uh, did, did you get to meet uh, Lucille Ball when you were uh, on Mame? Uh, yes, I did. As a matter of fact, um, I had a great time with her. Uh, she used to tell me stories, lots of stories. She was just wonderful. She, she, 
I was dancing on the in the show and we had all this downtime and I took a picture with her. And, um, you know, I would say to her like, oh, you know, I really like the Three Stooges. And then she, she would tell me a story how, about how they most, almost killed her. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I said, what? What? She goes, well, uh, I was in one of their little segments, one of the little episodes. And believe it or not, uh, I'm supposed to put powder on my face. And uh, Larry Fine comes by and turns on the fan. And um, the powder was very fine. And I opened my mouth and opened my eyes and went, <gasps> breathed in. And all the powder went into my nose and my mouth and my throat. And I couldn't breathe. And in my eyes. And I, she said her eyes were like, every time she blinked, it was like sandpaper. Oh, wow. So, so she was very upset and said she was in the hospital for three days. So they put her in the hospital. They, and she would say, bad props. They almost killed me. That's her exact words. How about that? <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, she also told me a story, and I, if she hadn't told me directly, I would never have – I just would never have uh, believed it. She apparently during World War II, she would drive to the studio, MGM Studios in Culver City, and um, and she had a filling in her tooth. She had a, a, a filling, and back then they had to use a, a, a little filling, uh, a different kind of filling, and sure enough, on her way to the studio, she'd get uh, radio waves, and she started listening – she she picked up this radio broadcast of people talking in German. Oh, wow. And it got louder and louder as she got to the studio. And then she called the FBI or the police and they circled around and circled around until they got louder and louder. And boom, guess what? Uh, she found a, a nest of Nazi spies spying on MGM studios through her tooth. Wow. I, I never believed that that actually happened. I mean, I've seen that on like Love Boat and Saved by the yeah. Bell and other things, you know, in different sitcoms and. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> I didn't think that if that was she, actually true if that she, you could pick up uh, radio signals. <laughs> if she hadn't told me to my face directly, yeah. and I was the same age as her son, so I don't know, maybe that had something to do yeah. with it. I don't know. But she was just a sweet she, – she's a very serious woman. I mean, she works. Her thing – she had a huge work – amazing work ethic. So, you know what I mean? I yeah. mean, she was just very, very good about her work. And, uh, you know, she would put an 18-hour day easily on that movie. So you gotta gotta hand it to her. I mean, it's, she it's, it's a great movie. I know that. I, yeah. yeah, it's not it's not what people think. You know, oh, I'm a star. I'm a celebrity. I walk around. Yeah. You know, and I, everything's easy. Uh, she worked very hard, and she rehearsed, and she she danced in it. She sang in it. She acted in it, and it was great. I have pictures of me with her. That's it's really fine. Fine. And Robert Preston. Bob Preston was great to work with. Oh wow. Yeah. And Bob, of course, was the music man, and he'd done a ton of work before that. And I went up to him and said, you know, you had to call him Bob. I said, well, Bob, you know, I thought you were fantastic in The Music Man. And he looked at me with his little cigarette in his hand and he goes, you know, I've done more than that, kid. <laughs> and I went, oh, oh, maybe I hit a nerve. I don't know. Yeah. So, <laughs> But he was he was actually very nice. He took a picture. I said, can we take a picture? He said, absolutely. <laughs> so it was kind of fun. It was a lot of fun. He was a good guy. And he was a real star, you know, big movie star. So, oh, yeah. yeah. So – what um what would you say like your favorite memory so far like when you've been of, of anything you've done um in all of your career? My favorite, well, that's really hard to say because I did so many different things. You know, yeah. I worked with Patrick Swayze and Disney on Parade. He was a great guy, and I made a lot of friends on Mame. And I wound up doing the voice of Donald Duck at Disney Studios, which I love doing. Yeah, from that Disney show, and then from there I went out. Went out, and now I'm the voice of Little Quacker for Tom and Jerry cartoons for uh, Warner Brothers, 
and we just finished our fifth season. And um, and he's a baby duck. He sounds like this. Oh, you my mama. I got my mama. Oh, boy. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I've, I've yeah, seen, I've seen it, a few of the episodes. Yeah, it's kind of cool. It's a good. It's a good reboot of the ser- of the whole Tom and Jerry series. Oh yeah, I think the. Uh, a matter of fact, I think the style of design of Tom and Jerry. Or I think it was voted like the best. Uh, the second uh, design in the late 40s uh, between um, uh, the way Daryl Van Sitters drew him and the late 40s was pretty similar and uh, very successful. Now they're going to do, a, I hear they're going to do a movie, Tom and Jerry. So I'm hoping to be in that. That'd be great. That'd be awesome. And yeah. they're going to do an, uh, a, uh, you know, a hybrid movie like Space Jam. Oh, okay. That we're, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Live action and animation. Do you think it'll be like, so I hope like to do that. 2D animation like with Space Jam or like 3D like with the like Chipmunks movies and stuff like that? I have no idea. They haven't yeah. asked me. <laughs> yeah, hopefully that, that'd be – yeah, either way would be cool. Yeah, I'd love that. Who would you say uh, inspired you the most to, to uh, want to be an entertainer or anything in your life? Well, I always admired people with talent and I loved the movie West Side Story. A lot of those guys were my teachers. Uh, uh, the dancers in that show, they became big choreographers. I took class with them, but I have to say Ed Asner, uh, who I met, uh, after I did MAME and I choreographed a musical musical he was in and, uh, he's just such a down to earth guy and so nice and, uh, gave me a lot of advice over the years. We still have lunch. Ed's a, Ed's a terrific guy. He, you know, he did the movie up yeah. in the last few years and Mary Tyler Moore and Lou Grant. Matter of fact, he just had a fundraiser. For his um, for autism, he has a grandchild that's autistic, so he has this big fundraiser. So I went there, and you gamble and you make donations, and you know it's a big uh, annual event. So uh, I really love that. It was great. I get to meet a lot of people. Yeah, I saw I saw, I met, I saw some of your pictures on your uh, Facebook of that. That looked really like it would have been fun. And um, we have lunch with Ed every three or four months, and so I have to say he was one of my biggest inspirations and uh and i'm a big fan of michael keaton i think he's just an amazing actor and there's so many there's so many guys out there but you know i knew michael keaton at the comedy store and for me uh, the guy can he can do everything just you know that's what i was taught as a kid as an actor you should learn to do everything yeah so i tried (laughs) did you do a lot of uh stuff at the comedy store back in the day yeah yeah i worked with leno letterman michael keaton Pat Proft, who wrote uh, the Naked Gun movies, and uh, very funny guy, and lots of guys, lots of lots of stand-up comics. Big, they became really big comedians. Yeah. And I went into the acting profession, so I did Bob yeah. Newhart, and I have to say, Bob was great to work with. Yeah, I, I had a great time on that set. Bob is As one of my fact, favorite people like ever. I oh, you like it? I yeah, love, I love Bob. Well, I learned a lot from him. Uh, I learned to be subtle. <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, you know, Suzanne Plagette, we were in rehearsal and we're by a flat and she gave me a kiss for good luck. <laughs> and I, I said, you know, I have a girlfriend. She goes, so what? I have a husband and walked away. <laughs> you know, I was a stupid kid. <laughs> yeah, that's great. <laughs> I mean, she, she was a beauty back in the day. I mean, uh, she's. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, Her um... husband was even better looking. Can you imagine that? Oh, wow. I don't, and, yeah, I, I just uh, right before I uh, talked to you, rewatched the uh Bob Newhart uh, episode you were in, and that was yeah, yeah, that was hilarious. What is your uh, favorite film that you've ever seen? Well, I'd have to say some of the favorite films were Singing in the Rain and uh, West Side Story, musicals, and yeah. oh, Inherit the Wind and A Thousand oh, wow. Clowns. Those were phenomenal 
They they were very. I really love those movies, yeah. and they're movies you can see over and over again. They oh, have I so know. much, uh, you know, meat to them. I should say, or or uh, depth. I, I Just love, wonderful. I love Inherit the Wind. I was in a community uh, theater production of that once, and that was that was really fun. Yeah, as a matter of fact, those are the guys who wrote uh, the movie Maine. I yeah. know that. That's awesome. Yeah, the musical. Yeah, I, I worked. I actually I worked on a. Worked on a stage production of Mame as well. Um, I did the uh, lighting for it. That was that was kind of fun, except for the one situation where I I had these two spotlights when I was designing the lighting, and the way they the two spotlights crossed each other, it ended up looking like the uh, Mastercard logo. And I didn't know that until like uh, about five performances in. And I, I looked at it and I was like, that looks like the Mastercard logo. And then everybody started pointing it out to me. <laughs> If um if there was like one person that you haven't worked with yet that you would love to work with, who would that be? Well, I haven't worked with Michael Keaton, although I knew him at the comedy. I guess you'd say yeah. I worked with him. I was at the yeah. comedy store. But uh, you know, Robin and I, Robin Williams, we did Medical Shakespeare together for once, once or twice. Oh wow! I would have loved to work with him again. Yeah. And uh, Ed Asner, of course, and uh, lots of well, there's so many. I mean, oh yeah, some people with amazing talent. Bradley Cooper would be. A, a kick to oh, work yeah. with because you'd learn a lot from him. He's he's just uh, conquered everything. Oh, and the guy who plays Wolverine, he uh, can do he can do everything. Yeah, Hugh Jackman is like you know song and dance man. Everything that's amazing. I mean, wh what are your thoughts on like all this whole thing where like most movies are like now comic book movies and we're kind of going away from? Uh, I mean, we do have a few you know like A Star Is Born. Speaking of Bradley Cooper and stuff like that, where you do have kind of musicals out there, you know, different yeah. styles of musicals and stuff, but. I, I I miss the days of like good musical movies, you know. I mean, besides like Disney movies and stuff, myself. So <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, you know, uh, movies like Inherit the Wind and all that, uh, they don't come up too often. So, no. uh, and but I love those uh, big the Marvel. Oh, I do uh, too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, special effects and humor. Yeah, the mixture is terrific, and uh, I love going to. I go I go to all those movies. Uh, I, 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 and, and the actors are terrific. I just met Don Cheadle and Ad Asner's uh, charity event. What a sweet guy. He seems you know? like a nice guy. Yeah. He's very down to earth. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what, what, um, what right now are you like listening to watching or reading at the moment? Well, I watched Einstein, which was, uh, uh, a series, a, a, a series called genius and they have Einstein, they have Picasso. And that was a great series. That was terrific. It was really well done. And there's some really good movies out there. I just saw uh, Rocket Man. Rocket Man was terrific. I had a cousin who was his bass player for many years, and oh, wow. so I wanted to go see that film. And um, also uh, Queen. That that movie was terrific. Yes. And uh, there were several others. I mean, there's so many now. It, they they just <laughs> it, it's so difficult to find uh, a dramatic film that that is terrific uh, because they don't make them as much. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean it's it's more about the action and the uh, I mean basically it's about the action and the you know your Star Wars and your Marvel and DC movies and stuff like that that are kind of the ones that are being made. But I mean it's 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 what it is. I mean I think a lot of the good dramas and things like that are kind of moving towards Netflix and Amazon and all that. Which, oh yeah, which is good. I mean at least I mean there's so many options right now, which is funny, you know, based upon like you know when you know even just 10 or 20 years ago where there was only, you know, a few channels to watch things on and a few, 
movies a year and stuff, you know? Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, one other thing, uh, like what uh, what advice would you give to anybody who's interested in becoming an entertainer of any kind? Well, because of cable, they've kind of taken the money out of acting. <laughs> yeah. Unless you become a big star. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's pretty tough to do. It's really getting out there and working and know your know your craft know what you're doing i mean you to get i mean there's a lot of politics involved and stuff but um i was always told talent will out so you just keep plugging away and if you can sing you can dance you can act you can do cartoon voices you can do stand-up comedy you can write write your own your own stuff yeah i mean write your own television show put it on um on what you call it on on youtube or something and I swear to God, I mean, some kid opens up a box. He's got 10 million followers. Well, he's got a show and he's a millionaire. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's changed so much. I mean, in my day, I was told you had to learn everything. You had to learn to sing, dance, act, play the piano, you know, music, you know, everything. And here uh, here it's totally opposite. It's just uh, every civilian wants to be a stand-up comic now. And I'll run into people say, well, I'm a housewife, but, you know, I'm I'm really a stand-up comic. <laughs> I just have to bring 10 people to the club. Yeah. <laughs> so my advice is learn your craft yeah. and and then go from there. So you'll be ready. And and a lot of movies and television shows are they assume you can act. They look for the right look. If you're the right look, you've got a pretty good chance of getting the job, then they assume you can act. So get your chops, you know, I love people with talent. People who are naturally talented and gifted. And like you see, uh, uh, you know, America's got talent. You see some people on there, they would never have had a chance. Yeah. And yet they're amazing. That, Just amazing. That is, I mean, that is cool. I mean, when you got America's Got Talent and American Idol and all those things were in the voice and all those things where people can actually now get discovered. I mean, it's, it's good and bad in certain ways. You know, people aren't having to work as hard sometimes what some people say, but I, I think it's, I, th- I think it's it's good that we have these talent competitions out there. Uh, I, I one other question: um, What is your like guilt or guilty pleasure movie? Like a movie that you know you're almost embarrassed to say you love. Oh boy, that's a tough one because yeah. there are so many. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Jeez, uh, that I, I I have a, a certain affinity for. Well, uh, I like action movies. I yeah. mean, I'll sit through a karate movie and a kung fu movie, and I'm uh, amazed <laughs> at the special effects. Oh yeah. So if the special effects are are phenomenal, I'll still watch it, even though you know the acting's bad, the the script is bad. But I sit there and go, how did they do that? <laughs> like they just pummeled the last Superman movie, which was what three hours long. Yeah. And I'm sitting there going, wow, how'd they do that? Yeah. <laughs> you know, just, I just couldn't stop watching it. I, mean, I said, I know something's going to happen, but, you know, how do you kill Superman? <laughs> and all the flying, how do they get him to fly? How do they, you know? Yeah. And then uh, even the last one, Avengers Endgame, was three hours long. Oh, yeah. And um, and I sat through all that. And I, I thought, wow, where's this thing going? Who cares? Look, look, Iron Man can fly. <laughs> How they do that? I know it's amazing when you see when you yeah. see like you know the before and after of all the special effects. It's just crazy what they can do now that they couldn't even do like a year ago even um, on some of the yeah. things. Before we end here, uh, do you have anything that you want to promote or anything that you got coming up? Yeah, I'm in a movie on Amazon Prime called Letters from a Nut, produced by Jerry Seinfeld, written by Barry Martyr, who is Ted All Nancy. It's his based on the books in the 1990s, Letters from a Nut. And you can go see it um, 
on Amazon Prime. And I'm doing a new one called New Letters from a Nut with Patrick Warburton, produced by Jerry Seinfeld. Awesome. And, um, and I'm in the fifth season of Tom and Jerry cartoons. And uh, so we just finished that. And I'm Little Quacker. Oh, boy. Oh, yeah, Baba. Oh, Baba. Oh, boy. And I do other cartoon voices and uh, all that stuff. So uh, maybe I'll wind up out there in a, one of those autograph shows or something. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and, uh, that'd yeah. be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I did Lou Grant, Family Ties, Airwolf. I did Movies of the Week. Uh, I'm still working. And uh, that's pretty good. Yeah, that, that, I'm pretty happy about that. As, as a matter of fact, I'll, t- keep I'll tell you going. the story. Tell you a little story. I was at sure. Disney Studios doing Donald Duck. I did their records and toys and tapes. And uh, uh, and sure enough, I walk into the animation department. I do Donald Duck for these guys. And, and they think it's pretty good. I don't hear from them. And 25 years later, the executive producer, director of uh, Tom and Jerry cartoons calls me up and says, hey, you still do a good duck? <laughs> I go, yeah, who are you? He goes, well, I'm Daryl from... I was at Disney when you did Donald Duck, and I've got this little quacker, and I need a duck. So it wouldn't be much of a stretch for it, and that's what happened. And they still went through, Warner Brothers, I heard, went through 3,000 voice actors for that one little duck. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, I still got the job. So sometimes talent will out, and connections and networking and all that helps. So That's cool. Now, what do you think? That's a pretty cool story, huh? Yeah, that, that's awesome. I mean, that, they, that he remembered you all those years later and everything. Yeah, I was shocked. <laughs> well, um, thank you, thank you very much for the for taking time to be on here, and um, hopefully we'll uh, talk again sometime soon. Yeah, thanks. Good luck on your podcast, and I hope a hundred million people listen to it. It'd be great. That'd be awesome. And remember, I'm still dancing. You know, I'm the male stripper at the Jewish Home for the Aged here. <laughs> it's a great job. You come back the next day, they think you're the new guy. So. <laughs> All right, thank you. All right, have a good thank one. Thank you. You too. Bye bye. And we're back. That was great. Uh, here's a little bit more about the plot of Inspector Gadget 2. According to IMDb, this is what the storyline is. On the outskirts of Riverton, the safest city in America, a pensive Inspector Gadget sits in his gadget mobile along with his canine companion brain. Gadget is back on the job. On stakeout. But he is concerned that everything is too quiet in Riverton. He has a very simple, rational answer to this. It's always the most quiet just before criminals strike. Evil must be afoot. In a moment of overzealous crime fighting, Gadget arrests an elderly woman for reckless driving, but not without incident. In his effort to make the arrest, Gadget's many crime fighting accessories go wildly astray. It's uh, time to report back to headquarters for a checkup, Baxter. Um, the cue of the police department uh, delivers mm-hmm. the prognosis as he is a prototype. Things are bound to have some glitches. The remedy is close at hand, but before Baxter can tell of his new top secret, um, Gadget is confronted by a furious Chief Quimby. The little old lady arrested earlier for reckless driving turns out to be Quimby's mom. Mom. <laughs> Sorry. It's okay. Gadget is put on notice. Any more mistakes, and he is on probation. Meanwhile, in the dead of night and in a raging storm, something happens that um, will change Gadget's destiny forever. His archenemy, his nemesis, Dr. Claw, makes a daring escape from Riverton Prison. Now evil really is afoot. Chief Quimby offers Inspector Gadget one last chance to redeem himself through the capture and return to 
incarceration of Claw, and so the chase begins. Yeah. Okay, yeah, basically then uh, Claw creates this uh, thing. He goes and steals a freaking ruby and all these other bullshit things that he needs to create this big laser type thing that freezes the city so everybody's like standing still and in midair and whatnot and everything and so they can use some really bad special effects Hmm. and um then uh they go and they're gonna rob everything and then uh yeah oh yeah by by the way as this goes along there's this new gadget chick named g2 played by elaine hendrix and um she uh she and Gadget uh, have a little flirtation. Um, she's put on charge of the case after Gadget's fired. Blah, 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 blah. The movie sucks. Anyways. Um, <laughs> it does. It's the, terrible. <laughs> I can't deal um, with it. Anyways, um, Gadget has... Gadget has the uh, the has his um, gizmos all in a whack for this girl. And... Um, <laughs> For lack of a better uh, term, he yeah. yeah he's got the hots for, her. Yeah. and um he uh in the end uh, he and her kiss everything's happy uh, they save the day they put Claw back behind bars he's got a bunch Claw by the way throughout the movie has a bunch of bumbling idiot sidekicks oh, yeah. who like he does in the cartoon um they all kind of suck and um <laughs> which is interesting if he's such a great criminal mastermind why can't he recruit good people and why work for him and, and why does he leave um. He he leaves his plans written on a chalkboard in his headquarters. Yeah, in, a, in an old bowling shoe factory. Yeah, that that you. that they find because of Penny, because of course Penny's the smartest one in the family, and um, or the dog brain might be as well. <laughs> at, at some point, the dog talks because uh, Baxter creates a uh, uh, collar that goes around the dog's neck and makes it talk. Anyways, um, yeah. and then uh, I don't know. I'm trying to remember bits and pieces of this movie. It's like. like it's it's it's, 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 it's so, like Chinese food where you're hungry an hour later. I had Chinese food actually earlier. It was pretty good. Are you hungry again? Oh, it was a I long mean, time ago. Yeah, I, mean, I had pizza when I came here. So. Yeah, so you were hungry again. See what I'm saying? But that was like six hours later. Oh, okay, gotcha. But anyway, so but but I'm just saying I'm hungry for a mo- another movie oh, that, yeah, that's actually a, a good. good one. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. This movie, yeah, sucks. Uh, anyway, so, by the way, the, the laser beam was was of a giant bowling pin. That's oh, what it came, that's what it came out of. I didn't even notice Did that. Did you notice? No. I, I was so bored, yeah, I didn't even fucking notice that. It was a giant that. bowling pin. That's what the laser thing came out of. Oh. I have no idea why, but that's what it did. Oh, by the way, too, the, the place they were going to rob was the Federal Reserve, and there was a giant dollar symbol on the building, which I don't think actually and, exists. But And I'm not a scientist, and I don't know how this freezing oh, yeah. um, bowling pin works. But, um, okay, everything is frozen in the world. Mm-hmm. Or in Riverton, I should say. Yeah. And um, my uh, my question is: somehow, when they get to the they they get to the bowling, I mean, not the bowling, I mean the the Federal Reserve, they can use a button at the gate and get into the place, and the the, the gate still works. Yeah, the gate but opens. The is... gate opens, but yet it's frozen. I'm I'm confused. Yeah, it seems weird. I'm really confused. And in my opinion, if everything's frozen, how can you even move the money? How can I mean? I just want to know the more logistics of this. If somebody has the science behind the, uh, <laughs> the uh, you know, way that this uh, frozen bowling pin worked, um, please uh, email me at mike at cullenpark.com. I really want to know how the science behind this works. Well, he did have a book called Quantum Physics for Nitwits. Not, oh. not dummies, nitwits, because they probably couldn't get their oh, rights yeah, of to course. say dummies. But, but um, 
Yeah. Yeah. I'll so. have to look up and see if that book really exists. And uh, I maybe, maybe I maybe I can find out how to make my own bowling pin freezing thing and I can <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, can I can freeze, freeze uh, northwest Ohio or something where I live. But um Whoa. anyways the uh <laughs> Ah, Jesus. Or just a certain person. Oh. Anyways, um, <laughs> the, uh, the the greatness of this movie ended at one point. Yeah. Yeah. It was the best movie of all time. It was. Mm-hmm. There's one part where Inspector Gadget says, and here's the good part. And he didn't. He, he had an uncertainty in his tone of voice when he said it. Like he yeah. knew that this movie wasn't good. Like, he was disappointed. I think it's like I can't remember. There were there were times where the gadget mobile said things to like, ah, this is fun, and I'm like, what the it's fuck, not movie? Fun. It's not fun. Did, did did they tell D.L. Hughley what the plot was, or did they just have him read these lines? That's what I'm oh, just trying to. By figure the out. way, so at the end of the movie, or near the end. Uh, the car is again played by D.L. Hughley, and he gets stopped by the police. I don't know if that was intentional or if they just. And by the way, the, the the only African American actor in or or black actor of any sort in the movie is the fucking car. Is the car? <laughs> Everyone else is uh, is um, whiter than snow, and um, not not the reggae uh, no, artist. Not informer. <laughs> yeah, anyways, um, the. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't. Yeah. It's, so, um, I don't know what to say anymore about this um, project. Do you want to look at some uh, at some reviews of the movie on, sure. on the Internet yeah. Movie Database? Because I mean, if it's anything like the last time with the people raving about Tooth Fairy Two, I, I bet there's people that love this piece of shit. So let's see what. Happens. Yeah, let's see what we can find. Um, let's go to a break and we'll uh, come back with that after uh, this uh, word from our sponsors. Okay, we're back here at All Too Real 2 podcast. Anyways, um, the best sequel out there besides Inspector Gadget 2. Anyways, um, <laughs> so uh, you want me to read some uh, reviews here, Matt, and get some response from these reviews? On, these are reviews from the Internet Movie yeah. Database. Um, Let's see what they have to say. Okay, here's an 8 out of 10 review. Mm, okay. It's wrong. Yeah, probably. Okay. Much more faithful to the cartoon, says uh, Desert Hedgehog. Um, although IG2 is a bit sillier than the first one, it's much more faithful to the cartoon. Once again, Gadget says Wowzers compared to Wowzer in the first one. And uh, Dr. Claw called both Claw and Dr. Claw is faceless again. There is also no John Brown. It's just Inspector Gadget. Penny, although she has a different hairstyle throughout the film, <laughs> often wears her hair in the trademark pigtails of the cartoon. Um, at first, I thought that Elaine Hendricks would be awful as G2, but she proved me wrong. Uh, she played her part extremely well, although French Stewart doesn't have the boyish charm of Matthew Broderick. He acts more like Inspector Gadget of the cartoon. And don't worry, he doesn't try to play Mr. Magoo. Uh, okay. I don't know what that meant. But anyways, <laughs> uh, this movie is, uh, I mean, maybe it's the whole squinting thing that he used to do on Third Rock, oh. but which is kind of Magoo-like. Um, this movie is also amazingly uh, cartoon-like. The best way I can describe it is a live-action cartoon. It's live-action, but with all the silly stunts of an animated cartoon, such as scenes involving Gadget getting his head stuck in a toilet. 
Although the CGI wasn't as good as it could have been, it wasn't too awful. If you're looking for a film that's true to, cart to the cartoon, IG2 is definitely worth seeing. Be warned, though, it's quite silly. Smiley face. <laughs> Thank you. Ah, jeez. All right, here's a... Here's a 9 out of 10 review. Oh, my God. It's good, but underrated. <clears throat> I don't know. They, I don't understand. I don't know if they understand the uh, concept of the word but. But anyways, um, <laughs> yeah, this is uh, Mario Murderer 111-1. Uh, All right. Okay. okay, Mario Lopez, if you're out there, please be aware somebody might be coming to kill you. <laughs> Because there's a Mario murderer out or there. It could be about the game. Yeah. Know. You could be like, it's me, a Mario. What are you doing? Are you going to kill me? Oh, no. <laughs> Anyways, um, the, uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. He said, I really enjoyed watching this. There are two Inspector Gadget movies. The first one was made in 1999. The second one, this is the second one, but it doesn't continue from the first since it's a different director and it was released straight to DVD. This film is an alternative to the second film. If you didn't like the first film and wanted to be more like the cartoons, wanted it to be more like the cartoons, um, then this one is for you. I liked both Inspector Gadget movies. This film introduces a new robot, IG-2. It's actually just G2 in the movie, but anyways. Yeah. Um, the movie has an entire different cast, and Dr. Claw's face is hardly ever seen. Like the cartoons, nice special effects too, with a cartoon like, let's stop the bad guys ending. I find it funny and enjoyable. All right, that wasn't as fun as I thought it would be to read. <laughs> okay, now I'm going to read one that was a an appropriate... Um, one out of ten from Erico. That's thank the guy's name. Okay. Th thank you, Erico. Okay. I'm sorry if this offends anyone, but I absolutely hated this movie. Yes. Okay, I'm going to admit it right here and now. I liked the first Inspector Gadget. I know most people hate it, but I thought it was very nice. It was a very nice little movie, but this, this was just plain silly. Nothing at all made any sense at all. Okay, now, I thought in the first movie, John Brown Inspector Gadget got a girlfriend, but where is she in this movie? Um, second of all, how in the heck could a human guy like Inspector Gadget fall in love with a robot? Um, what the heck were the writers thinking? How could the human robot breed <laughs> with a robot? <laughs> Robots have no reproductive organs. That doesn't mean he wants to have kids with <laughs> I know. The whole thing was totally whacked. <laughs> wow. This was in 2003, so whacked was a good word. Okay. Yeah, yeah, Anyways, yeah. Um, wow. and um, Inspector Gadget was just annoying in this movie. He was nothing but a smart aleck, know-it-all, who was stupid and totally unfunny. Sheesh. What in, what in the world happened to him after the first film? And I hate what they did with Claw. How come in the first movie he talked normal, but in this movie he was he has that weird robot voice? Also, how come he turned into an old man? What the heck was going on here? 
overall, this movie was just dead awful to me. It made no sense at all. This piece of crap gets a big fat one out of ten. Once again, I apologize to the secret of Nim. I don't know. What? This this movie, along with MST3K's Invasion of the Neptune Man, were worse. Wow. Very. I mean, I, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go out on a limb here and say this guy, he's right about his rating. But Secret of Nim, maybe Secret of Nim two. That one sucked. But the original Secret of Nim is a is is an animated classic. I'm sorry, but anyways, um, I've never heard of it. A Secret of Nim. Oh, it was a Don Bluth classic from the eighties. Oh, anyways, yeah, look it up and watch it someday. It's a really good movie. Okay. Um. Anyways, uh, better uh, than the original. Yes, oh my god. We're gonna read that. It's a nine out of ten from David Robertson. Asshole. Okay. Anyways, I had high expectations when I heard about Inspector Gadget 2, but I was not disappointed. These people don't understand the word but. (laughs) You should say, say, and I was not disappointed. Oh, my God. I'm confused. I mean, it makes sense that they think it's better because they can't. Yeah, whatever. You know, it's it's like, it's like, you know what? I love pizza. But the pizza from this place... It's pretty good. It's pretty good. It's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. This this is before autocorrect, too, so you can't yeah. blame that. That was deliberately <laughs> typed. Well, I mean, I don't know. Anyways, okay, maybe some of the things weren't from the original cartoon. The Gadget Mobile talks again, and Chief Quimby doesn't have a mustache. Okay, I'll, I'll you know... Yeah, I'm going to agree here. This is okay. But the film did stay true to the original cartoon series, which is now on DVD in Australia. Okay. Oh. From the from the hiding of claw to the classic slapstick humor. And of course, it was filmed in Australia. Uh-huh. This guy must be Australian. I think he is. Okay. French Stewart from Third Rock from the Sun really brought Gadget to life. And uh Caitlin Wax um from Commander in Chief was great as Penny. She was my favorite performance in the film. I thank Alex Zam for creating a film that actually stays true to the cartoon and a film that will keep me entertained when I watch it. I could barely keep my eyes open when I watched it. I was falling hey, asleep. It was terrible. I, was, I mean, I was literally falling asleep on the on the couch watching that's it. That's probably I, why you didn't see the whole bowling pen thing. Yeah, I just was I was probably sleeping yeah. then. Okay, so anyways, um, I don't really want to read any more uh, reviews. This is gonna be a, this is gonna be a short episode, I think. Yeah, I think so. There's um, nothing to talk about. No, there's it nothing was just else. A bunch of random scenes. I mean, like him being silly, spilling mustard and ketchup everywhere. I mean, that's not. I mean, whatever. I I mean, I guess there's an audience for this. I just I'm trying to figure out the target audience for this. It must be kids, I guess. But I don't understand. I I think kids are even too smart to think this movie's funny. 2003 though i i don't know think i still think an that. eight-year-old in 2003 as opposed to an eight-year-old in 2018 i mean i don't know maybe i don't know, I don't know. if you were eight in 2003 <laughs> please email us yeah and let us know if you watched this movie if anybody out there watched this movie and enjoyed it i don't care how old you are or how young you are um please just email us it's all too real two at gmail.com or Mike at cullenpark.com. Just let us know if you enjoyed this film and why. And why? Can you I mean, explain I mean, it to us. Honestly, I mean, I think for the good points of the movie, I will give it some good points. French Stewart was a good Inspector Gadget. 
he was more true to the original cartoon. He was better than Matthew Broderick. Can't say the movie was better than the first movie. I don't really remember the first movie, honestly, right now. So it could be better. It could be worse. But I don't know. Would you recommend anyone watch this movie, Matthew? No. Oh. Uh, well, hold on. If um, <clears throat> if you're part of some like enhanced interrogation team and you're trying to get information out of someone and, you know, regular forms of torture are off limits, which I recommend that they are off limits. Haven't watched this movie followed mm-hmm. up by a tooth fairy two on a loop. Maybe don't, don't let him sleep. Maybe they should. Maybe we should just get a whole Alex Zam box yeah, set and just and just watch all of his direct-to-video sequels and then just put them on a loop. Yeah, and we that's just, it though. Like, yeah. give, let them we have can send that to else. Guantanamo Bay, yeah. and uh, you know they can just sit there and and yeah. do do the whole Clockwork Orange thing where they just well, like no. pop open his eyes and no, make him watch. Not it. even that. Let, let them have snacks. Let them let them have a nice couch. I guarantee you, the movies alone would drive people crazy, even if they had all the other trappings in life. Give, oh, okay. like, give him a nice bathroom. Give him a nice couch to lay on. Uh, I guarantee you, even even books to read. Just having that in the background will just eventually just be like a a hole just being drilled into someone's mind. Like just, especially mm, <laughs> with Larry when uh, when he says "Fat Man and Hoggins," it's right there again. Oh God! Uh, At least there was none of that in this movie. No, uh, I I, can't, I still. And there was a dog, but there was no pigs. No, it was no pet pig. That was called Crusher, because you get it, you know you're expecting a a big aggressive animal, and it's a nice little. Your eyes are glazing. I know, nice little piglet named Crusher. Oh, yeah, no, no, not because of you. <laughs> but I will say this though: as bad as Two Theory Two was, it was at least more entertaining than this. Hey, folks, this is uh, Michael E. Cullen II um, from the podcast that you're listening to right now, along with Matthew Haas. We just wanted to tell you about our great, great podcast Super. called Super. It's called All Too Real. And on that show, what, what do we do, Matt? We, we watch biopics and then we talk about whether or not the movie matched up with the real story or not. So we, we, It was a lot we, more exciting than that, though. Yeah, so, 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 so we, we analyze the real story and the real story. Get it? Get it? Real. You know? Yeah, they're spelled differently, folks. Yeah. You can guess which one I said which way. Uh-huh. Anyways, um, so uh, sometimes we have guests, sometimes we don't. Um, but we uh, talk about great, sh- great, uh, great movies like uh, Shattered Glass yes. and The Social Network and uh, A Futile and Stupid Gesture, among others. Um, those are some of the ones that we've covered so far, and uh, we're going to cover a lot more. So uh, please uh, subscribe on Stitcher, um, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you uh, find your great, fun podcasts. And be sure to share it with your friends. Do it. Do it. Do it. And make sure you're not afraid to get all too real. Bye-bye. In the magical world of Hearth, there are wizards, there are sorcerers, and there are magi. And none of them know what they're doing. That's how the best spells are discovered. Throw it at the wall and read the tea leaves. Or scorch mart. Witness the wonders of magic, science, and property damage in a radio drama of phantasmical proportions. Face my mastery over the elements! <laughs> Magus Elgar. Now available for download wherever audiobooks are sold. Listen to the first three episodes for free on YouTube. I, I, I was that. angry at that, but at least I had my attention. Yes. This movie hardly caught my attention yes, at all. Yes, there was no reason for this movie to be made. It, it's, yeah, it should, it should have never existed.
if they make a third one, maybe I don't know if we should watch it. I don't know. I hope not. But I doubt they'll make a third good, one. Good. You know, it's been what 15, 15, 15 years, years since the second one. Hey, you know, you never know. Sometimes they made Blade Runner sequel like thirty five years after the original. So yes, and and and, and Inspector Gadget two is no. as well respected a movie <laughs> no. as Blade Runner. No. I just mean that. <laughs> wow. Well, maybe they can do a crossover movie. Yeah, crossover. God. <laughs> oh, man. Is Inspector Gadget a replicant? I don't know. I don't know. Anyways. Oh. <laughs> do Inspector Gadget's a dream of electric <sighs> sheep? Oh, wait, no. Anyways. Um. Wow. <laughs> Tron was another one that was like 25 years later. Oh, yeah, I mean, they do do that, yeah. but I mean, it's usually for movies that are They're good yeah, good and successful and well-respected. And plus, too, having that, having that amount of time separated makes the movie even more majestic because not only is the movie take place that many years later the movie actually was made that many years later as well. yeah so it actually has a sense of, of realism it's like the new it. it's like the new uh star wars movies exactly. or something yeah oh, but, i don't like new star wars because luke skywalker doesn't act like he did when he was 19 years old because every 65 year old person we know acts the same well i guess some of them do but um well so my my <laughs> thing is is i think that uh you know, when we end up making Inspector Gadget three, we should cast French Stewart no matter how old he is at <laughs> yes. the time. Yes. And have him play like, yes. you know, eighty year old yep. Inspector Gadget. Yeah, and, let's do it. And then all the all the little fanboys out there will be complaining, he's not acting like he's he did not, when he was a young adult. It's not like the cartoon from nineteen seventy three. Eighty three. Yeah, anyways, um, <laughs> Okay, anyways, um, thanks, people, for joining us on this exciting episode of All Too Real yeah. 2. Um, I guess we'll uh, catch you on the flip side. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to All Too Real 2 Podcast, a Cullen Park production. Produced and edited by Michael E. Cullen II. Music by Matthew Haas. Subscribe and share the show. Visit us at CullenPark.com. Oh,